Welcome to Build a Drone Reviewer Podcast, Episode 45, Rotor Talk Live, Smart Controller Update, and DJI's response to Remote ID. Got that next. The other night, Marcus Crawford, Ron Braun, and I hosted Rotor Talk Live, and we discussed at length the DJI Smart Controller update and DJI's response to Remote ID. So without any further ado, let's roll that broadcast in its entirety. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Rotor Talk Live Season 3, Episode 2. How is everyone this evening? Mr. Marcus Crawford, how are you this evening? Doing darn good, Bill. A little bit of a cold still, but uh, we'll muddle on through. Yes, we will. And Mr. Ron Brown, how are you this evening? I'm doing excellent, Bill. Um, you know, uh, life's good here, um, except when it comes to the FAA. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about the FAA tonight. Um, I'm going to welcome everybody in the chat. Drone Masters here, uh, Johnny Droneflyer, Stephen Ewing, Ted Bowman, Lawrence here tonight. Um, thank you guys for stopping by and showing up. We have a jam-packed show. Oracle Miata's here. Um, let's see who else. Eagle Eye Images. Uh, Ted Bowman. Okay, Jaybird's here tonight. All right, got a good, got a good crew. And we want to remember Al Duran. Um, you know, he's had his surgery today, so let's let's kind of keep him in our thoughts and prayers. Um, he had that knee replacement today, so we got a jam-packed show. We got a lot going on tonight. And I think the first thing we're going to talk, we're, we're going to do is we're going to talk to Marcus. And um, he was our man on the floor, Xeno Nation and Rotor Talk Live's man on the floor at CES 2020. Marcus, can you give us some highlights of CES 2020 and give us and tell us what your uh, favorite experience was there? Go for it. Oh, gosh, Bill, to say there was a favorite, it'd be tough because, <laughs> you know, it always a favorite. Well, all of us, we're, we just would be like kids in a candy store, right? And 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 not just talking about drones, but uh, every kind of electronic device you could think of. And and Lauren was there too. And I'll I'll bet you uh, I'd like to hear what what he has to say. But you know, I I saw maybe twenty five percent of it, if I'm lucky, maybe not even that. And it was a lot of hours on your feet every day, uh, but. Uh, but drone-wise, of course, obviously spent a lot of time on the drones. Uh, the 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 uh, Autel uh, 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 Evo two, and they gave me a little swag here. I got to show this. Ah. See that light-up pen that says Autel. <laughs> uh, so that's what you get if you go to the Autel booth. Uh, but uh, and they did give away some drones as well. Uh, but th that's was you know obviously. Drone-wise, I'm going to say the Evo 2 was the star of the show. Uh, it's clearly the one that had the most uh, technology in it and the most promise, particularly if we're talking about the, the swappable cameras, etc. I ran into our friend uh, Billy Kyle there. We had a nice exchange. Got to meet his uh, lovely fiance as well. Uh, and then the other drone, the next one that impressed me was the uh, Power Egg X. Simply because it brings so much to the table, it's it's at a fairly reasonable price point. You can detach the main body of the drone and use it as a handheld camera. Has a microphone in it as well, uh, and it also has a waterproof component where you put a cover on it and you can literally fly it in the rain, snow, or whatever. Uh, and then uh, it had uh, float attachments, so you could literally land it on the water. Uh, which is, you know, if you were jet skiing or something like that, I can see where that might be a, a handy thing to have. So it was an interesting piece. Of course, the V-copter was there. You really didn't get to see much of the V-copter. Uh, they didn't have a flying version of it or anything, but it was a static display. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what Lauren thought of it. I, it To me, the controller, it's definitely a toy-grade controller. Any of you folks that fly the Hubson Zeno, it felt kind of like that, right? I mean, not not like what we're used to with DJI or even the FEMI X8 SE. It's just a 
was a little bit cheaper. So it'll be interesting to see how that drone pans out. The other drone display that impressed me was Swell Pro. Uh, they had a fairly small display, uh, but they had a couple of their waterproof drones there. And I didn't realize the Swell Pro, gosh, I can't remember the model number of it, but it's the one that looks kind of like a, a Phantom. It has exchanged, uh, exchangeable cameras on it. And they had several different kinds of cameras, including infrared. And then they also had a device on there that would drop a, uh, a life preserver to somebody. Uh, and that thing can literally land in the water and take off out of the water. It won't go underwater, but it, it will land in the water. So that was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, and then beyond that, so if we're talking about other than drones, man, you've never seen so many 8K TVs in your life. Uh, I got to see uh, uh, Bill the Drone Reviewer's dream. The, the, just the Samsung display itself uh, was about as big as a normal Best Buy store. Uh, and and it, they, they were smart. They had theirs like it was almost like a, a building within a building and a uh, little bit of everything and some huge wall display 8K TVs that were uh, just phenomenal. Uh, and, and then there were, what, the other thing that impressed me is that there were brands that you've never heard of that appeared to have some pretty high quality uh, audio video equipment too. Uh, but then there were also a number of OEM suppliers from China. If you don't think China makes most of the electronics, all you had to do was walk through there. There were row after row after row after row of OEM suppliers that were hoping to talk to an OEM that they could build whatever their little widget they happened to be uh, selling. So that was kind of an interesting aspect that you just don't realize. Uh, and then uh, the other big uh, theme was autonomous vehicles, uh, both aerial and ground. Number of companies working on that stuff and it's coming pretty quick. I did a video, I, I dropped it yesterday about the, uh, the Hyundai Uber version of, uh, of their transportation service. And you look at that thing, it's just a giant drone. That is what it is. I mean, that's what it looks like. Uh, vertical takeoff and landing. Uh, and then they weren't the only ones working on that. Bell Helicopter had a version of it. So there's a number of companies that are working on changing transportation. And a lot of it, a lot of it is, is aerial is what they have in mind. In other words, you know, you're out in the suburbs, you're going to get on one of those things that are going to take you to downtown or, or whatever. And then you connect with another ground-based transportation and, and get to where you need to go. So it was just an education and it was interesting to see. So I probably bored you all to death already, uh, but no, absolutely that was kind of the not. size of it. Absolutely not. I guess, Here's my question for you. Who did you find? What what booth did you find um, the employees being the most friendly there? What, which one? Uh, gosh, uh, you know what? The Swell Pro people were really friendly. And then, you know, I looked at, at the cameras and, and the, uh, of course, the OnePlus was really a busy uh, booth, action cameras. Uh, but the people at GoPro especially, were really friendly and went out of their way to be friendly and explain things. And, and so I'm going to, if I was to say the, 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 the display that I had the best experience at, I would probably say GoPro. Awesome. That is absolutely positively awesome. You know, and next year I know Ron and I are planning on going as well. So you'll have a, you'll have, Xeno Nation will be representative. Uh, Rotor Talk Live will be represented there. And you'll, you will have three gentlemen who in the evening will be sticking their feet up on some kind of autumn and resting them, trying to rest for the next day. Yeah, that's <laughs> a fact. Hey, hey, Marcus, how was the Hubson booth? Well, of course, there was no Hubson booth. And, and, and you know what? Uh, I, I was sad about that. I wish there had been. They... They should be there. And, you know, who else wasn't there was Femi. They should be there as well. I mean, uh, you know, there were a lot. There were a ton of other Chinese uh, Shenzhen-based companies there. I, I honestly don't know why they weren't. 
You know, that's a that's that's a perfect segue, Ron, because the next part <coughs> of tonight's show, we're going to talk about a Xeno 2 update. Now, most people are aware about the Xeno 2, and I'm sure, you know, I've, I've kind of I've did I've done a few videos on it. And some people have actually got notifications that they've shipped. Now, I know myself, I haven't gotten mine. I went out. I've gone. Out, I, I go out at least two times a day to check it. <laughs> and, and I still don't have it as of tonight. Um, is that the same for both of you guys? Give me just a second here. I'll tell you. Uh, Phil, uh, I, I checked about an hour before the show and mine was still in the paid stats. It still hasn't even moved back yet. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 same with mine. Yeah, same, same here, guys. I just looked. Okay, all three of us are in the same us, boat really. here. Um, what I do understand was, and one of the things that I do want to pass on, and I noticed out there, and somebody posted it out on my Facebook group. And the Facebook group, there's a link in the description if you guys want to check that out. Is that they've extended the sale, which they must be selling very well right now. Uh, for them to go ahead and extend this uh, oh, really? sale for three ninety nine, I think I think they're doing very well. I think the response they've gotten a great response from it. So um, this is going to be real interesting. And um, the other item of note with this too is that they've already done, uh, and I think uh, was it Bermuda Bob posted in the group that they've already done an update to the app um, uh, out on out on Apple, of course. The Android app still shows as not available, but there's a way to get it, but it's, it shows not available in your country. So we're, we'll stay tuned on all that information. So, And, and, we'll, and Bill, can I interject the, uh, the update to the, uh, the X-Play app for Hubson? It updated the uh, ability to do firmware updates through the app. Ron, that is music to my ears. I'll tell you that right now. And all of you who have had the original Xeno, and I know, for both Ron and Marcus, that was a huge pain point for a lot of people, and it took a lot of work. It took a lot of, lot of, a lot of dedication uh, to be able to do those firmware updates and crossing your fingers. And um, you know, that's all I have to say on that. And, and I know, and if you want to see a great video on that, see John Coopy's video on doing firmware updates on the Xeno One because he did a fantastic video on that. So, okay. We're done with the Xeno for tonight. Now we're going to move on here, and and I know this is this is a this is a real interesting topic because um, I, I just found out the other day that DJI did a firmware update on their smart controller. Now I'm going to go ahead and share the screen here, um, and we want to go over this and uh, and, and got some interesting things to talk about with this. So let's go ahead here. Um, I'm going to read, I'm not going to read you the, the overview, but we're going to go over what's new here. Now, the uh, firmware uh, version is uh, V01.00.06550. And there'll be a link in the description for you guys to go ahead and check this out. Now, what's new? Added quick fly function. Quick fly can be enabled in settings. Once enabled, the remote controller automatically enters the camera view of DJI Go 4 after powering on if the remote controller is already paired with the aircraft. Number two, added SkyTalk. Go to DJI Lab under settings to enable. Once SkyTalk is enabled, the live view from the aircraft can be shared with friends via third-party social media apps. Uh, number four, optimize the process of selecting the def default storage location. Reduce the frequency with which a smart controller would restart. Um, added, the next one, added audio recording during screen recording. Before recording the screen, go to sound under settings to disable or enable audio recording for screen recording. And the last, add an electronic quick start guide for the smart controller. Now under the notes, and this is something that's really important and I can't emphasize this enough. It says the firmware version contains important updates and the smart controller can only be updated to this firmware version by using DJI Assistant 2. Download the latest DJI Assistant 2 then follow the steps in system update section in DJI Smart Controller user manual. Download DJI Assistant 2 at, and there's a, there's a link for the downloads there. And it also can tell you, this is why on the overview, it will also tell you that the DJI Assistant 2 for Mavic, uh, the version number, because I had an issue with trying to do a, a firmware update before. And it was because I had the older DJI Assistant 2 for Mavic. So 
make sure that you're that you have have the latest uh, information here. Okay, what's interesting about all of this is this is with the exception of this quick fly function, I've already beta tested all this information. Okay, all, all the I've I've already I've already beta tested this. What is missing from this? is the DJI Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. That was included in the beta testing and, it, and, it's, and it's not here. And, and I know there were some comments written down here and um, let's see if I can find them here real quick. Um, now I know um, David Kluge, um, well, first of all, the first uh, version of the firmware update, the language was coming out as Chinese. So they quickly pulled the firmware update and they, DJI did correct that, okay? Um, that, was, that was the first thing that was noticed. Now, the second thing is, and like David said, and I'm trying to find, um, uh, find his comment here, is that, you know, why don't you have uh, Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 on here? Uh, and, you know, I was like, right away, I'm like, oh, it's not here. Because I was told, you know, oh, there's a firmware update. And I'm going, oh, this is great. So it's going to include the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, I'm trying to trying to go through here, and yeah, they pulled the original. Okay, okay, uh, that's David's comment there about that. Moving on down here. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. Okay. Um, okay, let's go to the third. I think there's been more comments left because, um, and here I left a comment. I thought with the re-release of the DJI Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 and with beta testing in the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 on the smart controller, it would have been included in this release. I can't tell you what an incredible experience it is to use the smart control with the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. Hopefully this will happen shortly in the next update. Um, now, um, David, here's his, here's his post, and we're gonna, I was able to find that here. Um, I think they removed the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 integration that was in the 560 firmware beta. I don't own a Phantom 4 Pro V2.0, but had done some testing with a friend a while back during the beta program. When I go look at aircraft management screen in my settings, my friend's Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 is now showing an icon of a Mavic 2 zoom instead of the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. If I'm right, I don't understand why they didn't keep this integration. It worked really well from my short experience, and I don't recall seeing anything negative from other beta testers. With the re-release of the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 in the past few days, it seems this would have been a great opportunity to bolster that release. Seems like a missed opportunity, doesn't it? Uh, gentlemen, I'm interested in hearing your comments on this. Well, Bill, we talked about this a little bit last night, and I and I didn't think of this last night, but um, could this be a possibility? You know, um, it was always, you know, the Phantom 4 returning had been a rumor since the fall, well, late summer, early fall. And, uh, you know, it was going to, it was definitely going to come out in September, October, it did. Well, maybe even people at DJI were confused. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't think it was going to come out to the last minute and the software people didn't get the memo. So they took it out figuring it no use leaving in because there was no more v V2s coming out. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point, Ron. You may, you may be right on that. I mean, I, I, because this doesn't make sense. It really, it just, it just is off the wall and it doesn't make sense because I can tell you from, from having my beta experience and I've actually, there's some videos out there on my channel or I've, I've flown it. And I can tell you guys this, flying with the controller from the Phantom 4 is good. Flying with the controller from the smart controller with a Phantom 4 Pro is off the charts, okay? Y your movements are so much more precise. You have better control over it, you know, and having that screen on there was was incredible, okay? Because, you know, obviously here in Florida, we have, it's it's bright a lot of the time down here, and it's very easy to see in bright light. Marcus, what are your thoughts about this? Well, I can tell you this much. Uh, at at uh, CES, that was the big thing on at the DJI booth or their display. They they had that V two all over the place. So 
clearly they're interested in, in selling them. So I kind of think it's kind of like what Ron was talking about. And any of us that have worked for a large corporation can understand how sometimes one silo doesn't talk to the other silo. So that could very well be it. And the bigger the company, the more likely that not talking to the, the silo could happen. And uh, Bill, can we circle back to a little conversation we had recently where I discovered that on DJI's website, you could buy the Phantom 4 V2.0 alone without a remote controller. So that even lends more cadence to that this app, that the smart controller should be ready for that drone because somebody that already owns a smart controller could just go just buy the drone and not have to get the controller. And, and I'm going to let you take it, but I want to throw in one thing. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the uh, smart controller is definitely easy to fly. It's much better than using the Mavic 1 or 2, you know, little controller with the smaller sticks. But it's a slight upgrade over the, the uh, Phantom controller, but the Phantom controller is, is, is still a step up from your standard Mavic controllers. Throwing it back to Bill now, I've said all my, I said all I'm going to say. Well, you know what? I and, and Ron brought up a very good point about it being available by itself out there. Okay. And, and Ron's right. And Marcus is right. Okay. You know, ha having that out there, they're emphasize. I mean, the emphasis at CES was on the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. Uh, and then they come out with this firmware update, which now, mind you, it's been months since DJI came out with a firmware update on the Phantom 4 Pro or, or on the smart controller and everybody was just, it's just been, now I can tell you, I get at least one or two emails a day from subscribers saying, Bill, is there any update? Because they know that I was beta testing. Do you think it's going to be included in this firmware update? And it's just like, no, no, no. It's just like, you know, I, I, I have to say, be the bearer of bad news here, but I think Ron has really hit a hit a great point here, and Marcus as well, is that, you know, we have silos at work too, okay? And a lot of times, something that you think would be communicated to one silo never makes it there. And, and I think this is probably, this is the only logical explanation in this case for that happening, because otherwise, I mean, it doesn't make sense across the board, because, you know, you also figure too, you know, this will bolster, this would bolster Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 sales. This will bolster smart controller sales. Um, you know, not that the smart controller needs any, you know, talk up or anything, but I think, it, I think, it, I think it'll help bolster it. Now, one of the real interesting things here with the smart controller and with this update is they talked about, um, I don't want to get the name of it. Um, Sky Talk. Okay. Now we remember, you know, Mel put out a great video on how to connect to YouTube. Um, and if you're watching tonight, Mel, that was a fantastic video that you put out. Um, apparently now they actually have this. I, I have not downloaded this yet. So I, I don't know because if I download it, I lose my beta firmware update and I lose my ability to control my Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. So I'm not real, I'm not real hep on downloading this as of just yet. But this DJ or SkyTalk, go to DJI Lab under settings to enable. Once SkyTalk is enabled, live view from the aircraft can be shared with friends via third-party social media apps. Hopefully, the integration with this is a lot better. I mean, Mel put put together a great workaround for everybody, and, and kudos to you, Mel, for doing that. But right now, you know. We don't know. It's an unknown. I don't know anybody that's downloaded. So I just don't, you know, ha have no clue as, as to what this is. Uh, Bill, you know, the Scotio 2 has that feature already where it can record audio on, on, the, on the screen recording. Really? Well, as I wouldn't even say screen recording. Just if you, any video, it has the ability to audio record from your phone's mic. And then it creates a, a separate file for it. So you can, when you're, and you're adding things, you can just line up and line up exactly with the video file. Well, you know, um, my um, Samsung Galaxy Note 10, um, they added a screen recorder this year as part of the, as part of the normal um, offerings with it. And it doesn't, it's not one of those ones where, you know, if you download it, you know, usually they have ads or anything. But part of that is it records audio and it records pretty crystal clear audio. So like when I go out there and I'm flying my Mavic Mini, I'm getting crystal clear audio when I'm when I'm flying with that. And of course, it's right in front of me and the microphone's there. So it comes through and it comes out, comes out really clear. 
and I and I real I really like that. So, um, hey, Bill, so, before we before we get off the smart control, can I ask you a question? I mean, well, an opinion. When yes. the three releases, we'll say later this year. Uh, I'm just being vague. If or if it ever comes out, um, do you think that uh, number one, do you think it'll work with smart controller? And number two, do you think you'll be able to buy just a drone? If you already own a smart controller, I would say yes and yes. I would say this was an oversight on DJI's part, and I would say within short order, probably within less than a month, um, you're going to go ahead and see this because them re-releasing the Phantom Four Pro V2.0, they want they want to sell those. Okay, they just don't do this just for grins and giggles. Okay, and them coming out with a firmware update, which hasn't they haven't had in a long time for this, um, for the for the smart controller. Yeah, I think Ron. I said yes and yes are the answers to your questions. I I absolutely see this see this happening, and I see it happening in short order. I think they'll realize that they've made their mistake. So stay tuned. When I get more information on this, we'll pass this on. Can I hit you with one more quick question, and then I'll let you move on? Sure can. Any chance that the Mavic Air two, which Lauren said will be out in about two months, earlier in the chat, any chance of it having OctaSync two point well, my guess is probably no. And the reason I say that is I know when we talked to Rick Smith, um, he was telling us during one of the shows when we had him on the show here that OcuSync 2.0, I, I guess physically the board that it requires, it's, it's a larger type of a board um, uh, as far as electronics are concerned. So I don't think they can fit it in the Mavic Air 2. And I think also too, is I think it would be it would make the Mavic Air two probably it would bump it up in price and it probably would go over a thousand dollars. So I think with something like that, I think they probably want to keep that price point under a thousand, even with a new Mavic Air two. But it, expect a lot of updates on that. So Thank and you, I'm sh I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll get some information on that. So all right, now we're gonna go ahead <laughs> and kind of shift gears here a little bit. Um, no, is you know everybody knows about the FAA remote ID, and we had dedicated a whole show to talk about this. And you know, one of the things that that I have to say is there have been uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this. Now, I went ahead today, um, you know, and I was doing some looking today, and I came across something that was really real informative. Now, before I, before I get to that, was was um, Russ from 51 Drones, who has a great channel, he put together a fantastic video on FAA Remote ID. One of the things he, he posted today on Twitter, he's been out looking at the comments section for the FAA Remote ID. And one of the things that he said about it was that a lot of people are cutting and pasting and putting answers in there for their comments. And, you know, you know first of all, before we get into our, our conversation here, one of the things that I highly recommend, guys, is, you know, open up a Word doc or a notepad, type up what you're going to say, proofread it, spell check it, and then go ahead and put it in there, okay? And don't say, I don't want to see it. It's a pile of garbage. Screw UFAA or get, you know, or get vulgar with them. You know, be articulate, be clear, be to the point. Say, I think, I think the FAA remote ID proposal is not acceptable for, and then list your reasons, okay, and get into them. Don't go, don't go, you know, leaving, leaving comments because a lot of the comments that are out there are just, I think a lot, a lot of what we're seeing is, is not very good. All right, let's go ahead and get into this. Now, um, you know, you probably know who Brendan Shulman is. He's the vice president of legal affairs for DJI. Um, he has a great Twitter account. Um, you know, I recommend if you get a chance, follow, um, follow that account. Well, he put out a, um, and we're going to go over this here. We strongly support drone remote ID, but not like this. And I'm going to go ahead and share this. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some excerpts from this. Um, and and, then, and then, um, then we'll have some discussion on this. Okay. Now, um, DJI wants governments to require remote ID for drones, but the FAA has proposed a complex, expensive, and intrusive system that would make it hard for drones in America. And that jeopardizes the success of the remote ID initiative. Instead, we support a simpler, easier, and free version of remote ID that doesn't need a cell cellular connection or service subscription. 
Read on to discover why the future of drone innovation in America is at risk and how you can make your voice heard between now and the FAA's March 2nd deadline for submitting comments on the official government website. And there's a link for that here. Now, I'm just going to touch on, on some of these points here. Um, introduction, this is everyone understands why cars need license plates. Drivers have to be accountable. Well, what if instead of just a license plate, your car was also legally required to be connected via internet to a privately run car tracking service that charged you an annual fee of about 20% of your car's value and stored six months of your driving data for government scrutiny? Would you, uh, would you think the government has gone too far? Um, and then um, it, there'll be a link, link to this in the description. Um, and and uh, Brendan gets into a, a lot of good things here. Um, the stark reliance on unproven systems could shut down expensive Hollywood productions, complex industrial operations, and even life-saving rescue missions. And I want to stop right there because you know, one of the things that I've said all along here is the technology from the FAA remote ID proposal, it's not in place right now. And I think they, they put this on paper. Some, um, you know, some people from the FAA got this together and then decided, you know, we're just going to go ahead and put this proposal together and they put pen to paper, but they never, I don't think the technology is there to be able to handle the proposal that they did. Now let's go ahead and go down a little bit further here. Um, they FAA inexplicably declined to adopt good advice. Um, DJI may have been the first to deploy remote ID, but it wasn't our idea and neither is a recommended way to implement it. In 2016, Congress instructed the FAA to convene industry stakeholders to determine how to accomplish remote ID based on consensus standards. The FAA convened 74 people to serve as stakeholder representatives on the agency's remote ID aviation rulemaking committee. 75% of those ARC members represented law enforcement, telecom providers, airports, security technology vendors, and others who stood to gain from remote ID, while fewer than 7% of the members would primarily face burdens. Uh, despite the skewed membership composition, the, the ARC produced a final report that did not recommend a mandatory internet-based service. Rather, the consensus recommendation was for drones flying under existing FAA rules to perform remote ID via a radio broadcast with network solutions as an optional alternative. The ARC's many months of work demonstrated how broadcast technology scored best for inexpensive retrofit ease of compliance and performance. Network-based solutions involved highest cost burdens and privacy intrusions. I'm um, going to go on down here some more. Um, between now and March 2nd, 2020, please take the time to read the FAA's proposal and submit comments at this link. DJI is preparing tips and suggestions for what to include in your comment, but we already see drone operators of every kind sharing ideas among themselves. So be sure to consult your favorite social media sites, user forums, community groups. The FAA proposal is a watershed moment for the future adoption of drones in America. And the FAA needs to hear from everyone who could be harmed by its um, insistence on a complex, expensive, intrusive, and over-engineered remote ID solution. Together, we can ensure the drone innovation is protected and that the safety and security of the skies are assured, okay? This is a lot, and, and I highly recommend you guys taking a look at the link and taking a look and reading this, um, you know, th this was really well worded and, and take the time to read through this, re read through this because um, it, it's really well done. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'll, I'll start. Uh, so this is spot on. The only thing I didn't like about DJI's version of it is that anybody with that app, general public can see where you're flying your drone and what you're doing. And I don't understand why the general public needs to, to know. I appreciate the authorities. If you're someplace that you shouldn't be, they wanna be able to identify that drone. They wanna be able to know where the pilot is at. Uh, but DJI made some great points in there. Why is the burden on us as uh, uh, hobby drone pilots to pay for a, a very complex system that nobody even knows if it'll work yet, A, that could break down and then nobody could fly. If, if, the, say, if the whole purpose of this is to accommodate commercial uses of the airways, which it is, uh, then why aren't they paying the, or, or 
carrying the burden of what that cost should be. Uh, and, and secondly, just like they said, you know, nobody knows where your, your car has a license plate on it, uh, but, but nobody from the general public can look at your license plate and say, hey, that's Bill the drone reviewer. Uh, you know, they, but the authorities can. Uh, should be no different with drones. You don't have to, uh, people can't track you in your car. Uh, you go down to the corner grocery store, the general public can't pull up an app and say, hey, I want to know where that guy's going. So why are drones any different than that? It is a solution looking for a problem. So uh, it, that, that was, uh, Rick Smith's video uh, was great uh, on Drone Valley. He made some great points. Uh, Russ at 51 Drones did as well. And then uh, this from uh, uh, DJI, I think should be enough that we can coalesce our, uh, as individuals, our thoughts and, uh, and we need to, to, to uh, put our comments out there, just like you said, on the FAA website. Uh, you know, the battle is not lost yet. And uh, it's just like Rick Smith did, said, if, if it goes into place as is, uh, it's definitely going to put a big damper on hobby drones. No question. Ron, what are your thoughts? Well, on to them, along with Marcus, is very concerned about the privacy aspect of it. Um, somebody in the comments, I, I already forget who it was, it's a while back already. Um, he said that, you know, people pay for OnStar, you know, in their GM vehicles and that tracks you. And, and he's right, but I don't, but nobody, nobody in the general public knows where you are. You know, you're only tracked by the, the car company. And that's what Marcus is getting at here. We don't care if the if law enforcement tracks us, or even maybe the maker of the drone or whatever, but uh, not uh, the general public. And again, uh, all, people have already broached this may be illegal from the privacy aspect. Like for instance, who's responsible if somebody tracks you from that, that app and comes and murders you? Yeah. Uh, who, who, who is responsible? Is the, is the people that make the app responsible? The FAA, I mean, uh, who, who takes liability if that happens? Uh, and that's that's number one. And, and number two, there also is a lot of talk in the chat about Rick Smith's recent video where he went on a little rant about these new FFA rules. And one of his points was that, um, you know, uh, about, you know, we're letting the commercial drones push us out of the airspace. If they're commercial drones, why aren't they flying above 400 feet? Why are they coming to our airspace? And Marcus touches too. And why are why are the hobbyists taking the whole burden of the cost of putting this system in? If they're doing this for the commercial drones, they should bear the cost of this almost entirely. The cost of it, not the hobbyists. I mean, we were already here. You know, um, we were here and we were doing well. We very little accidents. Our safety record was better than almost anything. I mean, he, Rick made this point. He said, when they put trucks on the highway, whenever whenever the truck replaced the trains and, and, and put them on the highway, they didn't make the cars get out of their way. They had to coexist with the cars. They didn't clear the road off so the trucks would get through any faster, but they're doing it this time with drones. They're, they're clearing the hobbyists off the road or out of the airways. So the, you know, the, the trucks in this case, the delivery drones can take those fast lanes and, uh, why are why are only drones being picked up? Why aren't why is it any other form of transportation ever have these laws, you know, burden them or whatever? Um, I hope that made any sense, Bill. Yeah, that sure does, Ron. You know, and you know that that opening paragraph where Brendan talks about license plates and and tracking cars and, and, and things like that. Okay, um, uh, let's let's look at it in in reality here. Okay. Uh, how many thousands of people are killed in automobile accidents in the United States alone each year? Okay. And how many people are killed by a drone in the United States each year? Okay. Let's, 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 you know, zero. You're right, Marcus. Okay. Let's call, let's call that like it is. And I think you brought, you both brought up a good point in, um, you know, about the commercial airspace. Why aren't they, they could fly, they could fly at a thousand feet. Okay. Or above 400 feet AGL. And then everything would be fine, okay? They wouldn't invade our airspace. And the other thing is, and I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that commercial drones really are in their infancy. They've been they've been talked about for a long time, but they really haven't been perfected because 
the commercial drones that I've seen and the ones that, that they've used in Australia and then the ones that they're using over in Virginia, um, they're more of a vertical takeoff and landing than really a drone. And they're pre-programmed, okay? There's no, there's no uh, first-person view for the operator of the drone. Um, you know, they're, they're programmed to go to a set of coordinates, um, you know, lower, lower the, the goods via a, um, via a cable to the person retract the cable and then move on. I mean, that's pretty much what, what that is. And, you know, from what I remember talking about with Aerie, um, you know, uh, remote pilot Australia, I think is Aerie's, Aerie's um, YouTube channel. Um, he was saying it didn't work real well in Australia. It, it would, it just, that they didn't, they didn't, he didn't, he didn't view that as a success. And, you know, we really haven't heard a whole lot about that. Now I know UPS has touted, um, they showed this, this video where, a drone was coming out of the top of a truck and then going and delivering it and all this. Okay. You know, I, again, you know, things like let's, let's call let, you know, let's talk about like, you know, these drones, how do they, how do they operate? Obviously they're going to be using, you know, batteries to do this and they're going to have limited range and limited range capabilities. Even let's say they can fly five or six miles. Okay. They're going to have to operate out of some kind of a hub. Okay. And this is going to cost, Amazon and UPS and other companies like that, millions and millions of dollars. Why isn't that money, I think, better spent in, you know, building up their current infrastructure to, you know, work on deliveries? I, I know, um, you know, Amazon has, has now has fleets of trucks in towns to be, to be able to deliver uh, products. And, um, you know, UPS has been very timely with things as well, too. So, you know, I think, you know, this you know, as far as the commercial aspect of it, I think it's years off. I don't think we're going to be seeing that anytime soon. I don't think you're going to see your Mavic 3 being dropped by a drone and you're in your front porch and you're being able to take delivery of it like that. I, that's not going to happen for a long time. All right. The other thing that, that I wanted to touch on here is, you know, this whole thing about the technology. All right. As far as remote ID is concerned. Hey, because, Bill, can I, can I interject for a second? Go for it. I, I just wanted to make a counterpoint to what you were just talking about. Well, it's timely about the why are they wanting to use the airways as opposed to improving uh, what they have on the ground? I think that I, I'll be honest with you, that part of it makes total sense to me uh, because there's a lot of room up there in the sky and you don't have to build as much infrastructure. And, you know, we're I know you're in a growth area, Bill, and I know I am. There's a lot of pressure being put on our highway system. So I think they're trying to alleviate some of that. And, and especially at CES where we saw where they were uh, even talking about drone taxis, et cetera. I think that's the point of that is they're, they're trying to uh, relieve some of the pressure uh, on the ground. And I don't know why it all can't work together. I mean, I don't, I don't see why one has to be exclusive to the other in us as hobbyists uh either way i think it can be made to work but anyway that's the only point i wanted to make bill no 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 that's good and uh, and i'm going through some of the comments here um and i know dan's in here um you know and, and he's brought up brought up some brought up some good points um you know and you know um john of drones brought up the fa is asking us to agree to adopt a technology that does not exist sometime in the future or else they'll make flying illegal and call the local cops on you. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah. And Oki Tom, he says delivery by drone, I think will be 15 to 20 years away. I mean, you know, the, you know, they're, they're trying to force something here um, that, that I don't think is going to happen. And one of the other points that I wanted to bring up is this. Okay. If you think DJI is going to fold their hands and not do anything on this and other drone manufacturers as well, um, you got another thing coming. Okay because DJI's bread and butter, okay, as far as making money is concerned, both in the consumer space and in the commercial space is in the United States, okay? Uh, you know, they don't release their sales figures, but I can tell you this, okay? They place a lot of emphasis on selling drones, DJI drones here in the United States. So they're not gonna sit idly by. And this proposal that Brendan put together or this, or this response that from DJI, was spot on. Okay. It really, with the exception of what Marcus said, um, you know, I agree with this a hundred percent. Okay. 
I don't think that we're going to, you know, I don't think, and, and also to remember this, that um, someone had, and it may have even been Brennan had talked to the director of the FAA and he was, he was in agreement that it was too complex and too complicated and needed, needed rework because this technology is not available it can it won't work the way it is. It won't work the way it's written down. Because if you properly architect, say, uh, an uh, an IT system, all right, you've probably put it through some kind of a computer model, or you've probably actually physically tested it out somewhere, okay, in some type of a uh, you know in in some type of, of a building, okay. You, you've you've put you've put this pen to paper. For example, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I work for public supermarkets and one of the things that we have there is a lab, but it's not a lab like you think it's a lab, okay? It's a lab that emulates any kind of store that you want in public, and, you know, Publix has, you know, like what, almost um, uh, close to 2,000 stores. It will emulate any one of those stores, okay? And it has different combinations of equipment for each store, all right? You know, and this is where a lot of testing occurs. And this is something I don't think that they have actually done. I don't think the FAA has done this. They put this proposal together. They probably written it down. They probably put it on a grease board. Probably said, you know what? This looks good. It makes sense. Let's do this. And and it got and it got uh, and it got to paper. That, that's my thoughts on this. That's one of the things that I'm seeing here. Um, Bill, can I interject real fast? Absolutely. I, I think a lot of big companies um, they want to get this in place before the technology, they don't want to actually spend, we'll say millions and billions of dollars developing all this technology until they're sure that these rules are going to be put in place. That's why we're so far out, even though I agree with everybody, drone delivery for the most part, is not coming for 10, 20 years, but they want it. They want all the infrastructure in place as far as these rules and regulations before they start investing millions into this whole drone delivery system. So that's just the way big companies operate. They want everything tied up nice in a bow before they start investing heavily. Yeah, Eagle Eye uh, view images, their airspace should be 401 to 500 feet. Um, you know, and that makes perfect sense because if in, in the, other, the, the other part of, of uh, on this equation, and we haven't touched on this, is the AMA, okay? Um, you know, they're not a small organization. They have a lot of people and uh, I know that they've tried to organize this because of anybody, okay, who stands to lose, they stand to lose a lot. I mean, the opportunity to go fly your model plane at one of their fields is, is something that you, now I'm a member, you know, and I've actually been to a couple of their fields and it's great. I mean, you got to wait your turn because usually on a, on a busy weekend, but if you go on non-busy times, you pretty much can get right up in the air. And, and that's the beautiful part about this. But you know, uh, about the way it is right now. But with these proposed rules, it's going to change everything for them. I mean, they won't, you know, uh, you know they're, they're, they, they usually charge, I think it's about $100 a year. Some clubs do for, for dues and they help maintain runways and they have picnic shelters and whatnot and a lot of them. And there's a very nice one up by where I live. So, you know, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a change for them as well too. And a lot of people don't take this into account and, you know, they're actually a fairly big organization. Now, as far as money is concerned, I don't think they have the kind of money there as far as far as the say is concerned, but I think they're trying to get organized and trying to have some kind of a response here. And I think they do need to have a response as far as that's concerned. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does here. Um, you know, so, you know, we're kind of going to kind of, kind of wrap that up right now. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I think DJI is not going to sit on its laurels on this one. And, um, you know, we got a great response from Brendan on this. And, you know, and let's see how this plays out. But one of the things that I want to tell everybody is this. And John Adrone's hobbyist versus lobbyist. That's a good one. Um, one of the things is this. And, and I've already said it. And, and I keep saying it, guys, is if you want to respond back to the, to the proposal, and there's links in this article to do so to the comments section. Okay. Be clear, be articulate. Don't be vulgar. Um, don't cut and paste somebody else's comment and take it as yours. Okay. Come up with something original. 
I disagree with the FAA remote ID proposal because, boom, it's too complicated. Um, I don't like cellular service. I don't want to see them, um, you know, I agree with it. law enforcement getting the information, but private citizens shouldn't get my information. Um, you know, just, you know, list some reasons down there, you know, if, if you need to do that. I, I think it's, I think it's something that you need to just, you know, have an idea of what you're going to say, type it up and, you know, put it in a Word doc or, or put it in a notepad, you know, spell check it and then put it out there. And also you're not limited to one comment. You guys can go out there and comment multiple times. So please do so. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough to be articulate, to be clear, to, to be, um, you know, to come, to come across intelligent when you do make these comments out there. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts about, about this? Any, any closing thoughts on, on this subject? Yeah, mostly, Bill, I'm going to say that everybody just make uh, put a thoughtful uh, letter to the FAA out on their uh, website, respond to it. This is our opportunity, and this is our only chance that we're going to get to uh, to maybe have an effect on it. You, you also might consider uh, writing to your congressman as well. Yeah, exactly. Good, good, yeah, good comments, Marcus. And uh I, I agree with, uh, Mar you know, Marcus, uh, you know, get on that website, put an intelligent comment down, something that, you know, that makes sense that they can't easily reject. And two, just don't stop there. The FFA, they're not lawmakers. You know, Marcus pointed out, your congressman are the lawmakers. They just work for the law. You know, they, they kind of work for the lawmakers. So really, you know, you want to go above the FFA's head and contact your lawmaker. He's the one that's getting um, hit by the lobbyists, not the FFA themselves. The lobbyists is pressuring your congressman to do this. So they're ultimately the ones that um, you you have to get to. Now, I mean, you comment to the FFA, they can push back for you. But really, if you can get to the source, the congressmen, the ones that are getting hit up by these lobbyists to change this stuff for the big corporations, that's that's getting to the heart of the matter. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's also worth mentioning that both Lauren and uh, Bill Thomas are mentioned are, are saying it uh, was there a risk assessment done. So to my knowledge, everything that I saw in that 300 page document was anecdotal. Uh, I don't know that there were I could be wrong, but I don't believe there were any studies uh, unless you guys know of them. No, I didn't see I didn't see any at all. And, you know, I didn't see any um, what they call proof proof of concepts either, as far as that's concerned in that, in that document. I mean, you know, when, whenever, whenever you put together a proposal like this, and especially, you know, from having worked in IT for over 30 years, you have to have a proof of concept that this is going to work, you, you know, in terms of, you know, the storage space you'll take up, uh, the response time for, for users, um, you know, just a whole host of things. You know, you have to have these things down before you, before you go to VPs to get their approval, to get this, to get the, the budgeting for the system. You, you have to get that. And, and I think this was done um, half, half shot. I, I don't think that they really thought through this. Uh, you know, they just wanted to get something out there and what they got out there was a disaster. I, I just, for no ifs, ands, or buts, it's a disaster. But like Brendan said, you know, we agree that we need, you know, Brendan's right. We do, we do need remote ID, but not like how, DG, not like how the federal government has proposed it. So let's hope and cross our fingers that this that this gets taken care of. Wanted to kind of wrap up with the drone that everybody's been talking about. Okay, um, you know, it, it, and, it, and it was definitely the star of the show out at, out at CES 2020, the Autel Evo 2. Um, you know, and, and I know Marcus had some hands-on time with that. Marcus, about the Evo 2, what, what, are, what are some thoughts that you have after having visited with Autel and had some hands-on time with it? Hey, so I, I do want to make a point about, and, and I'll be interested to see if Lauren had a different uh, experience, uh, but <clears throat> the, the guys that I talked to in the Autel booth, none of them could answer any substantial questions. When I asked them questions that got into detail about the drone, they said, oh, they'd all say, well, I, I don't know. It's too new. Maybe such and such over here will know, you know, and, 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 uh, didn't offer to get the answer, 
So that was a little bit disappointing, but the drone itself is very, very substantial. I mean, you pick it up, uh, it's, it's heavier than your, uh, than your Mavic 2. Uh, and uh, I don't know, you look at all those sensors on there and everything we've seen so far looks very, very positive for that drone. And, and I'm going to say it's very likely, you know, we got to see it rolled out more yet, but it's very likely that's the, the new king of the hill. Ron, what are your thoughts on the Evo 2? Well, you know, I mean, you know, we mostly know, uh, uh, mostly talk about the, the, the AK model because that's the one that's currently released. If I was going to maybe even consider purchasing an Evo 2, it would be the uh, the one at sensor model, which I guess will be released uh, uh, later. But, Bill, let me ask you. We I asked you a somewhat of a similar question last night on the, um, the Zeno Nation. I'm going to ask it to you a little bit different tonight. Of the four drones released at CES last week, which one would you be the most likeliest to buy and which one would you be the most unlikeliest to buy? And I'm not asking what you thought the best. I'm asking you which one are you most likely to buy and which one are you the least likeliest to buy of the four? Well, of the four, it would be number it would be the Autel Evo 2, the 6K with the one-inch sensor. Okay. Um, because you know that low light capabilities with the one-inch sensor, um, you know, that's well documented with the Mavic 2 Pro. I mean, we, we see that time and time and time again. All right. The low light capability is is off the charts. Um Probably the second one uh, would probably be the Evolve, Evolve 2. Right, the I mean, least likely to buy because of the price. Well, right now because of the price, yeah. And, and that's only that's purely because of price, okay? If it wasn't for the price, you know, that I'd be placing a pre-order for that right now. And by the way, if you do place a pre-order for the Evolve 2, you actually, they'll give you $159 battery for free. So there you I go. Mean, for that kind of a, who's going to pass that that kind of deal up so hey, can we ask marcus the same question we just asked you yes so so if i the for one and two for me of course the evo two would be number one which evo uh, two i i would probably just get the uh the 8k well maybe that one inch sensor i suppose it's only 300 dollars more right that that's very true that's a good point so actually probably the 8k not not that i would do it any justice i'm just gonna state that right at the beginning that's kind of above my skill level uh but it like the point that bill made makes a lot of sense that one inch sensor takes in a lot more light so even if you were shooting at 4k you're still going to get a much better picture uh the other thing that you know bill talked about the evolve too to me, the Evolve 2, it's just it's just way above my head. And for it would just be a waste of money for me because I wouldn't be able to do uh, a drone like that justice. Uh, but the the Power Egg X, absolutely. I can see uh, that that thing looked like a lot of fun and it looked very versatile. So that's my second choice. How about you, Ron? You, you got to get in on this too. Yes. Um. I'm giving the same answers as you guys are the uh, the the one inch sensor version of the uh, Evo two and the uh, and 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 not the um, the Evolve two. But okay, well we since we all said the same thing. Okay, what would be the second most likeliest drone of the four you would buy? Marcus, you go first. The second uh, most uh, likeliest you'd buy that I that I would buy. <clears throat> You know, those Swell Pros look pretty interesting, I suppose. I, I gave you my one and two, so I don't know what you mean by second. Well, no, you, you're, you're oh, oh you, I thought, okay, your two was the above you you would buy. I My question was, which one would you most likely to be buy, which you said was the Evo, and I thought you said the one you would least likely buy would be the above because of the price. That's that's very true. Yeah. So okay. Say say you can't get the Evo of the four that of the four new ones we're talking about. Would, would the second one be the the Power Egg or would it be the um the 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 two wing drone, the V copter? Yeah, not the V copter. I I just we gotta we gotta see more about that before we know the promise of that product. But uh, the the Power Egg, yeah, I would I would be all over the Power Egg. Hey, is it true, Marcus, that the V-Copter is shipping in February? Uh, well, that's what they say. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. 
Bill, what's your second choice after the uh, Evo? You know, I'm kind of torn between the the the, the Power Egg and the Swell Pro because I know I've seen some demos of the Swell Pro, and that's an incredible drone. It it can do an awful lot. And which Swell Pro, the small one or the big one? The big one, the one that the one that can drop the life preservers. And how much um, is that? Oh, it's. Marcus, you have any? Did they did I, they pricing I, out there? It, it might be in a brochure I have, but I'm not. I, I just don't know. I think it was probably around at least two thousand. I think um, okay. if it does. Now, what I know there's some actually there's some Swell Pro dealers in the area here because of all you know because we're so close to to the Gulf. So right. um, you know that's a that's a real interesting concept. I mean, I really like that. Well, a lot of them use those as well too. Um, not only for that, but for taking bait out. Um, you know, uh, going, you know, way beyond what you can cast, uh, you know, when, when you're out there deep sea fishing. Um, and it's really, you know, it's really been a lucrative business as far as far as that's concerned, especially for like uh, fishing charter boats. So, um, you know, that's that, that's definitely uh, a very interesting drone, especially in a climate like we have down here where there's, you know, especially with a lot of water here. So. Good point, Bill. I, ah, I mug. There you go. Oh, See, everything tastes better out of a Build a Drone Reviewer coffee mug, okay? Yeah, Valerie already said that when we had our giveaway, and she is so right. Um, you know, all the giveaways, um, I did get everything finally mailed out. <laughs> I am awful sorry. It's just been absolutely crazy here. Had a crazy weekend. Um, I did not get a chance Ken Dono had a uh, wonderful uh, meetup this weekend. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go because I had some things to do around the house. Um, you know, Valerie had Valerie and I had some things to do around here. And unfortunately, it was that weekend. It also happened to be there were at least 35 mile an hour wind gusts where they were. So they actually they couldn't fly, but they did have a, have a chance to meet up and talk with some people. So um, hopefully next time the weather will be more cooperative and um, my schedule will be free so I can get down there. I think that, that would be absolutely fantastic. Gentlemen, closing thoughts for tonight. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about that Xeno 2 showing up. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Ron? Um, yeah, um, you know, like Bill, I think Bill told me earlier today, he checks his uh, status of the Xeno 2 three times a day, so I'm going to have to start checking it more Um but I, you know, I think we're down to where we can, uh, you know, what, what do you think? Two, two, three weeks is probably, you know, uh, our, our time right now. Whatever I would say, you know, for, you know, we may have it by February first, if not, uh, you know, uh, shortly thereafter. So that's that's my first thought. My second thought is, you know, I, you know, I hope everybody takes the, you know, the the you know, the reg the new proposed regulations seriously. And, and, you know, like, like everybody said in the show, you make some good comments. Some people say, well, it won't do any good and whatever. And, and I, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, I think uh, the comments last year when they were putting in the, um, what did they call the whole thing where you, you know, you used to call the airport and then you just did it by the app. What was that whole process called? L-A-A-N-C. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, all the pushback on that, got those laws a little more loosened up for us. Um, so I, I think we could do the same thing this time around. I, maybe I'm overstating that, but I think the pushback last year helped. So um, let's try it again. You know, let's, you know, let's go in as a, you know, a, a big group or whatever. So um, that's my thoughts. And uh, we're going to throw it back to Bill so he can get us out of here for night and get everybody back to um, watching TV. Well, hey, Bill, what'd you think of LSU last night? Okay, I, I actually I was kind of I was kind of kind of happy about that because I had a bone to pick with Clemson because they beat Ohio State and I wasn't real wasn't real happy how that went down that that was that was a disaster game I mean there were some bad calls in the OSU Clemson game and I'm just I'm just gonna go there I'm not gonna go any more than that but you know, after having lived in Ohio for 30 years I'm a little partial to the Buckeyes as gotcha. far as that's concerned so gotcha. um, I agree with Marcus Zeno too. Um, probably in the next couple of weeks sometime. Uh, it's just it's just off the charts exciting. I can hardly wait. I am so pumped and excited about it. And Hubson has really done their homework. And I think out of the box, I think we're going to see something pretty good. Um, so stay tuned for all that. Um, the smart controller update. If anybody actually has done that, 
drop it, drop a comment on the video and let me know because I'm interested to see how it's gone. I'm kind of taking a back seat on this one because if I download it, I lose my beta firmware update that has the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. So I'm kind of kind of holding back and I'm actually going to contact DJI support to find out. And that's one thing and I'll keep you guys posted on that is if they go ahead and they'll include the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 with this. So stay tuned on that. Um, with the FAA remote um, ID proposal and with um, DJI's response from Brendan, which was excellent, um, you know, engage your elected representatives as well, your congressmen, your senators, you know, um, not only to write them by email, but one thing that I found that's very effective, and I want to piggyback on both what Ron and Marcus said on this, is call your call the offices. They record they 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 don't necessarily record your call, but they do record what you say and what you have to say. Um, you know, there are staffers there in these offices, and you know, there may be a local officer, there may be one in Washington, DC where you live, definitely do that because it makes a difference. You know, um, you know, our two U.S. senators here in the state of Florida, you know, I'm planning on engaging them and I'm planning on calling their offices and I'm planning on calling my congressman's office in Washington, D.C. to let them know about this. And I'm planning on also planning on getting together. I'm going to spend this weekend, type up a comment, proofread it, and then get it out there. So, um, you know, take some time when you do this. We have till March 2nd. So, you know, we probably have, have over a month and a half before, before we can't comment anymore. Um, you know, take your time, but write something articulate, um, plan, your, plan it, thought it, you know, put your thoughts on paper and get this out there. So, and I want to thank everybody in the chat. It was a great chat tonight. A lot of great conversation, a lot of great conversation about the FAA remote ID. Um, you know, again, you know, my whole thing is let's not, don't, don't have an attitude of you know that the sky is falling and it's the end of the world but be proactive take some action and like ron said you know with laanc i mean we we actually voiced our opinion about that and the faa put together a pretty good system as far as getting approvals within um you know um within airport space so again for ron for marcus thanks so much for being a part of rotor talk live and remember, as always, it's a great day to fly. Take care, everybody.